Today, I want to offer a tribute to you mothers. It was three years ago, this coming Wednesday, that my mom died. I was at her bedside. My mom was a divorced, single-parent mom who, instead of wallowing in self-pity, provided a stability and a strength that enabled our fractured family to thrive. The love I never got from my father because he was an alcoholic was like an ocean coming from my mother. Carol, my first wife, Rhonda, my current wife, were and are very different than my mother. My mom kept Jesus at a distance, but both Carol and Rhonda came to Christ in college and were transformed by God's grace in Jesus. And as a result, Carol raised our four biological children. Rhonda raised her three biological children as godly, loving mothers who so poured Jesus into the lives of their children that it was a thing of beauty to watch and to still watch today. I've been at Wheaton Bible Church long enough to know that I can say with confidence that one of the great strengths of this church is you godly women, you godly mothers of all ages, of all situations, of all co- uh, contexts and, and backgrounds. One of the reasons this is such a healthy and, and such a good church is because of you women who so deeply love Jesus, so deeply love God's word, that we are the beneficiaries of seeing the fruits of the Spirit lived out in your lives. We see the smile of Jesus on your faces, and we want to say thank you. So this morning, this Mother's Day 2019, to you moms and grandmoms, to you single-parent moms and stepmoms, to you adoptive and foster care moms, to you spiritual and mentor moms, to you moms who have children with special needs, to you moms who have lost children in death. On behalf of all of us, we say thank you. I happen to believe there is no hood like motherhood. That you women are the real-life Avengers, the superheroes who guard and cultivate your families while your children sleep. And so this morning, we honor you. Words can't express our gratitude to you. And what I want to do this morning is a little different than what I normally do and a little different than whatever whatever I've ever done on a Mother's Day. And I want to say thank you to you women in six different ways. According to the Bible, I want to uh, 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 draw out six different things that we, your children, most appreciate about you. So let's start with the first, or let's start with number one. 
And mothers, today we want to say thank you for putting Jesus first and not us, your children. We want to say thank you because you have lived before us the first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And God's means idols, idols of the heart. And an idol can be a good thing, actually a really good thing, that we can make into an ultimate thing. And that becomes a problem because then we tie our significance, our security, and our identity to that good thing that we have made an ultimate thing. And this is exactly why our Lord says, in the Sermon on the Mount, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus doesn't say second. Jesus doesn't say seek God third. Jesus doesn't say, I know you are busy, moms. I know life comes at you hard. I know you've got a, a marriage, you've got family, you've got friends, you've got all of this, you've got, you've got your jobs. No, Jesus says, in and through it all, above all, seek first his kingdom. Jesus is saying a little differently what was said in the first of the Ten Commandments. And mothers, today, I want to thank you that you have not made idols out of us, your children, but instead... You, among us, have sought Jesus Christ first. Uh, we see this in the way you pray. Oh, the prayers of a godly mother. We see this in the way you hunger and thirst for God's word, the different Bible studies you might be in or the life groups. Uh, for the way you seek to know Jesus personally. For the way you practice the presence of, of Christ. Hey, hold on, kids. Uh, let's catch our breath. Jesus is here among us right now. It's going to be okay. Let's pray. For the way you practice the presence of Jesus. We thank you this morning, moms, because you have taught us as much as you love us, your children, we are not the center of your world because you know we are not the center of the world. And so with the psalmist, what have you said? You have said, and you continually say throughout your life, your face, Lord, I will seek. And as much as you love us, as much as you love our activities and our schools and our friends and our, and our sports and our musical competitions and all the millions and millions of questions you ask us about that, we thank you today because we do not rule your hearts. Jesus Christ does. You seek Jesus first. And so this morning, moms, we want to thank you for the times that you haven't been available because you're praying or you're reading the word. We want to thank you for the times you haven't been available because you've gone to minister to someone. We want to thank you for the money you haven't spent on us. Because you've given it to someone with a greater need. For your generous support of missionaries, your generous support of the church. Shortly after my first wife, Carol, died of cancer, 
I discovered that maybe the one thing my kids wanted the most, or the one thing they talked about the most, and I have three daughters and a son, uh, wasn't Carol's jewelry, it, it, it wasn't her cosmetics, it wasn't her clothes, it wasn't any of her furniture. Uh, the one thing they wanted most was Carol's Bible. This beat up, cheap imitation leather NIV study Bible that was falling apart at the seams because they had seen their mother over the years mark that Bible all up, write in that Bible, take notes in that Bible as God was speaking to her from his word or from sermons that she was listening to. After all, she had a great husband pastor. <laughs> you better take notes. One of the greatest gifts my first wife gave our kids was her love for the Bible. And now I see this all over again in Rhonda and her love for the Bible. Mothers, we want to say thank you for your love for God's Word, for the way you pray, for the way you seek Jesus Christ first. Jesus commanded and you have responded. And as a result, two things have happened. Not only are we secure in your love, the love of our mothers, but we are secure in Jesus Christ's infinitely greater love. Because you showed us that. And so second, this morning, this Mother's Day, I want to thank you moms for showing us grace, not works. Grace, not works. Look at this passage. This is Titus chapter 2. There are two verses here we're going to look at. Paul begins by saying, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And he continues in verse 12, and he tells it, uh, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Now let's go back to verse 11. Notice how these two verses begin, how verse 11 begins, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation. That's a reference to Jesus Christ, to what we call the gospel. To Jesus coming, Jesus becoming a man, uh, Jesus going to the cross and as our substitute dying in our place for our sins. So that the moment we believe, we might find salvation. We might find forgiveness. We might be made new creatures in Christ and given new hearts and filled with the Holy Spirit. So what verse 11 is describing is how a person is made right with God. Now women, what this means is you can't merit salvation by being nice, being a nice lady, doing nice things, living a nice cozy life. If, if somehow we can merit eternity by just being nice. Know what verse 11 is telling us 
is that the way we are rescued from our self-centered, anxiety-prone hearts is by the rescue operation that Jesus commenced when he became a man that culminated in him dying in our place for our sins. And this is a grace. This salvation is the grace. And so we are saved by grace, not by works, by believing in Jesus who has appeared and offers us freely salvation. And that's the first verse. Let's go on to the second. Notice how it begins. It. It teaches us. And so the question we ask, well, what is the it a reference to? And obviously the answer is what is said in verse 11. The grace of God that has been revealed in Jesus Christ. But notice the move here. If verse 11 is talking about the gospel and how we are saved, what verse 12 is telling us, it's the same gospel that changes us, that transforms us. What we call sanctifies us, that means makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. It, the gospel, is what teaches you how to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, how to live a self-controlled life. And I want you to see this because the point when you put verses 11 and 12 together is it's the gospel and believing in the gospel that not only saves us and launches us into the Christian life, but it's the gospel and believing, continually believing in the gospel that makes us more like Christ. This is what we call gospel centrality. It's the very first value for us here at Wheaton Bible Church, and it's first for a reason because it's fundamental. And the way we state the connection between verses 11 and 12, is that the gospel isn't just the starting line, that's verse 11, but it's the whole race. Verse 12. And so this morning, I want to say thank you to you mothers, because so many of you live gospel-centered lives, and you understand it's not, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but it's the A to Z. And so you're living your life not trying to do better, not trying to be harder, not 10 steps here, not 10 techniques here, but by going more deeply into the wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. For it is what teaches us how to grow. And my point in saying all of this is because you live by grace, not by works, even as many Christians try to do, you have shown us and extended to us time and time again grace. Amazing grace. Incredible healing grace. You have lived before us and extended to us Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And so here's what this means. It means I want to thank you, moms, for the way you've handled our failure as your kids. We have disappointed you. We have disobeyed you along the way. We have said things that have hurt you. We have done things that sometimes come close to, to breaking your heart. 
but because you live a gospel-centered, grace-centered life. You don't scream at us in the grocery store. You never scream at us. And when you get angry or or frustrated, it doesn't go on for days and weeks. Your anger has a short fuse. It's temporary. And you moms, because you're focused on grace, not works, you have never, never, ever made us feel like your love depends on us reaching a certain standard, getting certain grades, looking a certain way, doing certain things. So thank you, moms, for the way you have handled our failure and our sin with grace. Boy, has that freed us. Uh, So when little Johnny, who was four, clobbers his little sister Susie and says to Susie, I hate you, I will never love you, you don't come racing into the rooms, mom, screaming, oh, yes, you will, Johnny. Yes, you will love her. Instead, you walk into the room and you get down on your knees and you look little Johnny in the eye and you say, hey, little buddy, you're absolutely right. You can't love Susie on your own. And that's precisely why she died for you. Or why Jesus died for you, rather. That he might forgive you. Because even though you were an enemy of God because of your sin, now God loves you. And when you understand that, when you believe what Jesus has done for you, you know what, Johnny? It enables you to love your enemies like Susie. Now, you may not say it just like that, but if you capture the essence of that in that critical parenting moment, you have taught your child grace, not works. And moms, you do that all the time. And we thank you. We thank you for how the gospel has changed you, how the gospel is continuing to change you, uh, how it is uh, growing you. We thank you for teaching us grace, not works. And along the way, a couple things have happened because of that. You have showed us our, our standing with Jesus. And we get so anxious and, and we feel so guilty and, and often our souls, our hearts are so troubled. You have taught us our standing with Jesus isn't a function of our performance, it's a function of Jesus' performance. And you have showed us that when we fail and we so fail, we don't run away from Jesus, we run to Jesus Because you have modeled for us his throne is a throne of grace, not condemnation. Thank you, moms. Third, we want to thank you for caring more about our hearts than our abilities. For focusing on our hearts, uh, not our abilities. Over and over I've seen this among you. The women here at Wheaton Bible Church, 
Now, of course, you care about your kids working hard, your kids doing your best. Of course, their behavior matters. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something about you moms here. Uh, the grace God has given you so that you don't focus on abilities, you don't focus on performances. You have spent years focusing on our hearts. Look at this verse. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I happen to think it's a key verse in the book of Proverbs. Above all else, above all else, guard your hearts. Because everything you do, everything you do flows from it. And moms, you know that. You know the real battle in life is for our desires, our wants, our hearts, and everything, everything flows from it. And you have gotten that right. And that has made a huge difference in our lives. So thank you, moms, today for showing us that following Jesus is not a matter of duty. It's a matter of delight. It's a matter of the heart. So over the years, we love and treasure the way you have laughed so much. You've been so happy. You've been so upbeat for the fun we've had together as a family. But along the way, and just a, uh, the only way you can do it as a tender, gentle mother, you have talked to us a lot about our hearts. You've asked us questions about our fears and our anxieties or what's important to us. You've asked us questions about the hearts of our friends and what's important to them. And maybe best of all along the way, you've talked to us about your heart and what Jesus is, is teaching you. When my youngest, my son Ryan, was in those early years of high school, uh, just a couple years after the death of his mother, I was scared to death about his heart. Would he become embittered toward God? And so I purposed, as I had done for years, but man, I began to do a deep dive, and we talked all the time about his heart. And I talk to him a lot about my heart. Ryan, what are you feeling? What, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, what are the stressors? Uh, what are the things that are important to you? I talked a bunch about what's going on in his friend's heart. And I asked those millions and millions of questions. And on and off over those couple of years, we would study the book of Proverbs together and, and talk about what that meant for our hearts. And moms, today I want to say, and I want to say it again, thank you, thank you that you have focused on our hearts. And now years later, my son is, what is he, he's almost 25. And we're still talking heart to heart. Now hear me in this. If prayer is trading hearts with God, parenting is trading hearts with your kids. And you women have excelled at that. And we say,
thank you. Fourth, thank you for showing us authenticity, not religious hypocrisy. A couple of weeks ago, I was down in Florida with a friend of mine from here at Wheaton Bible Church, and we were talking to a guy that we've spent time with on and off over the last 21 years. And he surprised us by announcing to us, and this guy's a believer, that, hey guys, I just want you to know that I've become convinced that a Christian can reach a state of sinless perfection. Oh. So one of the very first things I, I, I said to him, because there was no way I was going to let this go, is I said, you got to be kidding me. Why in the world does the Bible repeatedly tell us as believers to confess sin? And he didn't have an answer. So look at this verse. 1 John chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess. If we confess. So moms, you have modeled this. You have understood this from the very beginning. And today, this Mother's Day, we want to thank you for admitting your weaknesses, for confessing with us your insecurities, your fears, your, your, your doubts, your sins. Thank you for all the times over the years you've said, I'm sorry. Thank you for all the times you've said, I'm sorry to God in front of us. Thank you for teaching us that it's okay to fail, but it's never okay to not apologize it's never okay not to confess sin it seems like so many of you women and we're so appreciative of this have known from almost the beginning that the reason as children grow and move through high school and into college and into young adults the reason many of them leave the church isn't because the church is boring it's because they've never seen the gospel lived out. They've never heard Jesus talked about. They've never heard weaknesses and, and, and sins admitted in the context of their family. And the reason they reject Christianity is because they've never really seen the gospel. And so you mothers, you know that there are millions and millions of homes all around the world where sin is never confessed, never been a single confession of sin, and you have worked to make sure that's not our homes. Because you're real. And you're not one of those moms. And so we thank you for your authenticity. We thank you for your honesty. We thank you for your vulnerability. And that has taught us your children to be just like mom. Number five, thank you for loving our dads. For really loving our dads. 
This is one of my favorite books from the Song of Songs, sometimes called the Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. I happen to think that this is one of the most beautiful descriptions of marriage, of a healthy marriage in the Bible. I happen to also think it's a description of the love relationship a believer enjoys with Jesus and Jesus' love for us. But I want to focus on marriage, the marriage of a husband and wife. So according to this verse, what is a healthy marriage? What does that look like? What is a picture of it? Well, it's a wife that gives herself to her husband. It's a husband that gives himself to his wife. It's a wife that doesn't just tolerate her husband. She treasures him. He's my beloved. It's a husband that doesn't merely tolerate his life, his wife. She treasures him. She's my beloved. You see, according to the Bible... A healthy marriage is a wife who's on the same page as her husband. And a husband, let me say this one a little differently, who's on his wife's page. And what happens over time is this couple that has treasured each other end up on the same page. And because it's Mother's Day, I'll say your page, women. We end up on the same page. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. And so mothers today, we want to say thank you because we know our dads are punks. We know they're not perfect. But my, the way you forgive them, and the way you don't hold grudges, The way you delight in dad and you light up when he walks into the room. The way you touch him and show physical uh, affection to him in front of us, even though when we were younger we used to say, that's gross. For the way you talk about dad when he's not around. Uh, You have shown us what a healthy marriage looks like, what a Christian marriage can be. And to that, we say thank you. Now, sixth, and finally, moms, we thank you because you have given us all sorts of opportunities to serve. You've created opportunities for us to serve. serve. You insisted that we serve. Look at how Jesus puts it. For even the Son of Man, now here Jesus is talking about himself. This was a favorite uh, title that Jesus used to describe himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Did you catch that? We're talking fully God here and fully man. Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many moms you have understood that this is not natural that serving others looking out for the interests of others as Paul says is not natural you understand that the world that you are raising us in tells us that life should be all about me myself and I and that I should focus as an individual as as your child according to culture 
on my preferences, on my desires, on my accomplishments, on what I want in life. And you have given yourself to breaking that cycle. And you have taught us how to serve. And wow, has that changed us. We think of the times that you have taken us with you to deliver a meal to someone who is sick. The way you have spoken with such esteem and regard about the homeless, the poor, we remember the times you've had immigrants and strangers and refugees into our home and we've gotten to know each other. The way you have taught us to be inclusive, not exclusive, and to have friends from all ethnicities, all backgrounds. Wow, moms. You have taught us to serve. You've taken us year after year to care fest. And that mission trip you made dad organize and take our family on to, to Mexico? Well, Mom, I just want you to know that changed my life. Because it popped my little bubble. And I saw the world is much bigger, and I saw global hunger, and I saw global starvation, and I saw global needs. And God gave me that to give me a global worldview. And mom, that was your idea. Because you have lived your life committed to meeting the needs of others. And along that line, moms, we want, we want to thank you for the way you've talked about the church because you've helped us understand that we don't go to church merely to get our needs met, but rather we go to church to meet the needs of others and to serve uh, within the church and in the context of our, our community. So when we have come in on Sundays, boy, the way you moms have talked to new people or people you don't even know and you've befriended them and the times you've invited some of them over for a meal after church. It's taught us to be on the lookout for people that we don't know, people that aren't like us. And along with that, moms, you are amazing in the way you pray. The way you pray for us, the way you pray that you will know Jesus, the way you pray that you will go deeper with Jesus. But one of the things you've taught us in the way you pray is that we're not just to pray for ourselves, we're to pray for others. So you've taught us to pray for our schools, to pray for our friends, to pray for our neighbors, to pray for people uh, that are needy and vulnerable. You've taught us to pray for our missionaries, to pray for other countries around the world. And you've done that, Mom, by the way you pray. And so today, this Mother's Day 2019, I want to ask God that he would fill you mothers with a thrilling vision of the importance of your role. That Jesus would become increasingly sweet and precious to you as you meditate on him and his beauty and his love. And the spirit would fill you. 
So in the challenges of life, you will be a rock because you are confident and secure in the unstoppable love of Jesus. And all God's people said, would you all stand with me and let's affirm the women and the mothers among us? And so, Father, we honor you because family was your idea. Parenting was your initiative. And we thank you for the grace that you have revealed to us through our families. And we love you and we honor you and we exalt you. And we praise you for our moms. In Jesus' name, amen.